Hey, welcome to my new weekly series, Ask Megan, where I answer your questions about raising a neurodivergent child. As you know, I'm still in the thick of parenting and certainly don't have the answers. And in some cases, I don't have any answers at all. As such, keep in mind that all opinions expressed are my own and I'm not a professional in this field. Please don't use my thoughts as medical advice. Always check with your child's pediatrician or therapist before trying something new. Now, with all of that out of the way, what are you wondering about? What are your burning questions that you just don't know who to ask for fear of judgment? This is a judgment-free podcast and a completely safe space to share your stories and ask your questions. So if you've got something on your mind, email me at ontheharddays at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at ontheharddays with dots in between each word, and I'll feature your question on the show in the future. I'm super excited to bring you this new series as the second episode of the On the Hard Days podcast every week. And as always, thank you so much for listening and sharing the episodes with friends and family. It is what it is because of all of you. Today's question is, should I get a diagnosis or seek a label for my child? And how would that help the whole family? So, oh my gosh, getting a diagnosis and labels for my neurodivergent child tremendously helped all of us, every single one of us in the family. And so I guess I'm going to start with me. Getting help and finding out what was going on was crucial to my own mental health. And the biggest reason for that is because without a diagnosis, without a label, I spent so much time blaming myself for my child's struggles. I mean, the meltdowns that he was having were so massive, multiple times a day for years. And they were about such tiny little things. And I thought, and and I was told, but I also thought, you know, if I just handled that differently, if I just was a little more firm in my tone, maybe he thinks he can walk all over me. So it's my fault that I'm not coming across as the parent, you know, as the authority figure. Um, Maybe I should have made sure he had more protein in his lunch. Maybe he shouldn't have gone to bed 20 minutes later last night. That really could have affected things. You know, it's the constant questioning of myself because I am responsible for his well-being, or at least it feels that way. Right? I suppose that's a whole other issue we could unpack. But I feel responsible for my children's well-being, their happiness, their um, ability to function in the world. And so when my child cannot function in the world, day after day after day, year after year, what am I doing wrong? So some people say that they they don't want a diagnosis for their child. And they would rather just keep chugging along because what's the point? It's not going to change the behaviors. You know, you're still going to get what you're going to get. And that way you can keep working on different strategies at home to help. And that's fine. There's no judgment here. There's no judgment on this podcast whatsoever. For me, I needed to feel better about myself because this was a spiral. This was increasing anxiety and depression and overwhelm and frustration and low confidence and and, um, 
low feelings of self-worth. Like I just felt like crap, really. And I can't parent my kids. I cannot show up for my husband. I cannot show up for myself. I can't show up for anybody if I am a mess. And so getting a diagnosis and labels for my child, it was like a game changer for me. Now, Mr. Nine, I mean, he was young. And so um, I'll be going into the whole neuropsych evaluation process in another episode. But he did have two neuropsych evals at ages four and six. And as many of you may know from previous episodes of mine, um, it was his four-year-old neuropsych eval where he came out for a little snack break from his evaluation and the, the child psychologist who was um, very experienced and had put in, you know, 30 years into what he does came out and said, have you ever considered that your child is gifted? And the answer was no, I have never considered that. And nor do I really care because these meltdowns are extreme and I can't handle it. So I don't really care if he's smart and he'll do well in school. Of course, I didn't understand what gifted meant. And that is also another conversation for another episode. But starting to hear the words around who my child is was the beginning of a slow, gradual change for me and how I viewed myself. Okay, we're getting a label. He is gifted. All right, let's tuck that away. With that came another label, twice exceptionality or 2E. I had no idea what that even meant. And I literally put that um, report away for like a year and not even paid any attention to it. And then I was like, wait, what? 2E? Um, you know, you've got this asynchronous development where where parts of the child are cruising at a rapid speed ahead of peers, ahead of the, the bell curve. And at the same time, there's other developmental pieces of the child that are behind. That is what twice exceptionality means. And that is totally my kid, especially at that age. So that was another label that was helpful. Anxiety was a, a diagnosis that was helpful. And later on, ADHD was a diagnosis that was helpful. And, and I'm not even sure, I mean, if right now we were pursuing more testing and, and more answers, um, I think there could be more words thrown around. Um, I certainly use them. I know there are sensory issues, um, high sensitivity, perfectionism, you know, all kinds of things. When you have words that describe your child, it takes the pressure off of you to be a perfect mom, to quote unquote, like fix the problems because you don't, you don't have to fix them. And in fact, you, you're not going to fix them because this is just who your child is. And for me, before there was a label or a diagnosis of any sort, I was not totally convinced that it was him. I was blaming myself. And so when you get a diagnosis, it's like, okay, well, no, like, no, this was unavoidable. This 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 is in the genetics. Like, this is my kid. Now, I can learn about this diagnosis and this label, and I can get help for my child and myself in how to manage the diagnosis, what strategies are effective and which ones are not. But if I'm just shooting random parenting societal, societal 
strategies, you know, the authoritarianism, and then on the flip side of that, the extreme gentle parenting and the stereotypes of both of them. And if I'm just pulling random things out of thin air, nothing's going to work for my kid. But I can say that parenting a gifted child has differences than parenting a child who is not gifted. Parenting a child with ADHD looks different from parenting a child who does not have ADHD. And without the diagnosis, without the label, how do you know? How do you know what strategies are effective? So that's that's me. That's where I come in. You know, this is all my personal opinion and, and our personal experiences. I couldn't live without those labels and diagnoses. I must have them. Now, that doesn't mean that they are, quote unquote, an excuse for everything. And that typically is um, a big argument that a lot of uh, partners have an extended family. And those are also other questions on my list that you guys have asked, and I'll be doing episodes on those too. Um, We're not saying, oh, he has anxiety, so he gets away with slapping me. No. Oh, he has ADHD, so he gets away with not doing the task that I just asked because he's hyperactive right now. No. You know, that's not what I'm saying. It is hard to hold boundaries around neurodivergent kids. I am the very first one to raise my hand and say that for sure. But there are some non-negotiables, and one of those is physical aggression um, and disrespect that, you know, hurtful words and, and, and all of that. Diagnoses are not there to excuse the behaviors, but they're there, in my opinion, to target the right strategies to use because of the diagnosis. Because there are different strategies and different tips and different tools and tricks and all of that, depending on what your kid is struggling with. And so let's find out exactly what my kid is struggling with so that I can believe in myself again and figure out how to help him. So that's that's my feeling on getting that diagnosis from a mother standpoint. But I also want to dive into the question was also about how it helps the whole family. And that's such a good question because I have this giant list in front of me, right? This is the list that of questions that you guys asked uh, me to talk about on Instagram. And this is like three pages long, these questions. And there's definitely some overlap. And one of the overlap, overlapping questions is about the siblings. And we'll get to that. We'll dive into that in future episodes. But I do want to say for today, how would it help the siblings of a neurodivergent child, even if they're neurodivergent, it, it doesn't matter. How would it help them to know a diagnosis or a label that your child is is struggling with or has challenges in or whatever? How would that help them? I think there are a couple things at play here. So one is the age of the child, the age of all the children. Mr. Nine has a twin and a younger brother. And the twin is Miss Nine, and she is a mini version of me, and she is um, an emotional, sensitive one, and she takes on other people's feelings, and she just wants everybody to be happy. And I have heard many times that, and I have a feeling that many of you right now are agreeing with this, that you probably have, you've got your neurodivergent child, and then you've got a sibling who just wants everyone to be happy. 
and she or he take the world on their shoulders. They are willing to sacrifice their own needs and wants, even at a young age, so that the neurodivergent kid is happy. And that's a whole, that's a whole other beast to unpack. That's a hard one. That, that's another episode for sure. Gosh, there's so many things we'll talk about in these episodes. I'm so excited. Like, there's no shortage of topics. I wanted Miss Nine to know when she was little, when we were really struggling, that nothing she was doing was her, that, that Mr. Nine was getting so upset with her about was her fault. None of it. If it was her turn to go first in a game, and he went first last time, and he was flipping out that she was going first. And by flipping out, I mean, you guys know, if you're listening to this podcast, you understand what I mean by flipping out. Like, these are not, this is not a tantrum. These are massive meltdowns, out of control, lit on fire meltdowns. And Miss Nine, in that sort of example, I'm not, I, I'm not even thinking of like a specific time this happened. I'm sure it did. But this kind of thing would have happened all the time where if it was her turn to go first and my son is flipping out, she's going to want to say, it's okay, you can go first. And I have stopped her many times. At first, the first, I don't know, handful of times that she did that, I mean, she was young, I'm talking four. And we were like, oh my gosh, wow, that's that's amazing. Like she's such a giving child. But then it's like, wait a minute, this is this is appearing like an abusive relationship and we don't, no, just no, this cannot continue. And so I have spent years talking to Miss Nine about um, empowerment and, and sticking up for herself and how um, her happiness and her confidence and her self-worth is just as important as his and all of that. And when my son was able to get some labels and, and diagnoses, that was a game changer for the way that I could talk to Miss Nine too. Because I didn't, and she wasn't nine at the time, I mean, she was young, but I didn't want her thinking that loving relationships look like this. That, that a loving sibling partnership, a friendship, a future relationship, that any of these relationships in general mean that you get walked all over and you you give up your happiness for the sake of someone else on a regular basis and it doesn't reciprocate. No, I cannot have that for my daughter. I cannot. So when I was finally able to say, look, this is what he's struggling with, that was a game changer for her too. And so I have to be careful about that, of course. And, and you know, both of them, they were little. So I wasn't necessarily throwing around all of these words. He has this, he has that, he has this. But I was saying to her, his brain is a little different. His brain processes things a little differently. He gets really emotional really quick. That doesn't mean it's okay. And he is not allowed to treat you like that. But this is where it's coming from. This is not typical. Like, it's just not. And I'm not going to pretend that it is. Because again, she needs to know that she is just fine. Who, how she is and in the way that she presents herself and that I don't want her to give up everything all the time for someone else, especially when it's not reciprocated. So we've had this conversation throughout the years. I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the age of your kid, whether you're going to be like actually sharing with the sibling what the diagnosis is or not. Um, and in some cases, I definitely think it is appropriate. And in many cases, it might not be. 
for for us, it was when she was little, it was telling her that his brain was different um, and that he was special in his own way, just like she was special in her own way. Um, but that sometimes meant that he got upset really quick. So when he gets upset really quick, I don't want you, Miss Nine, to give in to his desires when he's screaming at you because that's not fair to you. So let's find a balance. How can we handle this in the future so that you are getting what you want and, and receiving the respect you deserve while also, you know, making him happy. And I do not need my daughter to make my son happy, but my daughter wants to because that's how she is. And that's how I was. Um, and she once told me she must have been, gosh, she was probably six. She said to me one day we were having this conversation as I was putting her to bed and I was like, you know, it's okay to put yourself first and value yourself and be happy. And she said, but I'm happy when he's happy. And I was just blown away by her eagerness for her brother to, to feel loved. Um, but she deserves that right back. So it's a balancing act. But had we not had the diagnosis or the labels, I wouldn't have been able to explain this to her in a way that she really needs to hear and understand so that she can start to value herself and not tucked in the shadow of her brother's meltdowns. So I do believe that getting a label, getting a diagnosis, whatever it may be, is massively important and helpful, not only for my own confidence as a mother, but in the way the entire family processes what is happening under our roof. And that these behaviors, therefore, even though certain behaviors are certainly not excusable, but they have a root cause. And that root cause is not bad parenting. Uh, a sister who didn't give up a toy when, when her brother wanted it. You know, none of those are the cause. It is not anyone's fault, including my neurodivergent kid, right? This is not about fault. This is not about you should just do this. You should just do that. This is how my kid is. This is what he's struggling with. This is how my daughter is. This is how I am. This is how my husband is. The, this is us. So what are we going to do with that information? Well, we're going to take it and tuck it in the back of our brains so that the next time there's a meltdown, you know, we can, we can say and we can think, okay, this behavior is not okay. But I understand now where it's coming from. And it's not my fault. So I hope that answered your question. Um, please know, everybody, that I value your questions and your input um, and always welcome any sort of commentary that you have on anything I discuss. Um, you can email me at uh, ontheharddays at gmail.com. Um, but you'll mostly find me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word. You can follow me there. You can DM me um, and we can have a chat about all the things. So thank you guys for listening. I am so excited to be bringing you these weekly um, solo episodes to answer your questions. It's, it's really awesome. And I'm, I'm so grateful for you.